and welcome to the newest episode of the Keen Minds podcast. Where we're covering NBC's The Blacklist. We're in season five, episode five, which was Ilias Serkoff. I'm Jen, aka Takata Cycle. And I am Tessa. And we loved this episode. We've been spazzing in the background here for the last ten minutes about how much we loved it. <laughs> I am, I'm in parallel heaven. I, I mean, not even to the end of the show. And I have over 15 parallels, which is, you know, pretty impressive, even for the blacklist. Yeah, they, they went all out on this one. There were so many little things that, that just jump out at you from tones that the actors and actresses use to the way the the type of wordings to i mean it was just it was all so subtle and so beautiful that you're just sitting there going thanks guys well done <laughs> well done this time <laughs> i remember thinking they have given us basically a big fat zero canon facts and then you get this episode that is like um there used to be these things that you just like saw nothing and then you put a pair of glasses and suddenly you saw the figures that were there. That's exactly what it is. They give you these things and you're like, oh, this is great for the ride. And then they give you the pair of glasses and you're like, oh, my God, look at all the stuff that they've been giving you. And you don't even know it until you get to the right way of looking at things. you got to get the perspective. You're looking at it wrong. You're looking at it like a cop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this was, this was, uh, it's funny because you're seeing the, to, to me, themes that are being from season one, season two, season three, and now they, they take in them, they look slightly different, and you see both character development, you see parallels, and it's just awesome. I'm like, I'm like a kid. Oh, I'm so I, excited. I love to see scenes paralleled multiple seasons later where you see the, the growth highlighted. That's, that's yeah, you have things. one in your mind that is excellent. I have the so one about about red and and Liz that is just yeah, that's a great one. Um, do you want to uh, go discussing what first? Let, let's start jump. Let's jump into wrestler first then. Okay, I I had well first we have one of the best car chases ever with wrestler. I swear, that man and his driving. It always <laughs> makes me so happy to see wrestler driving. But it, but it was much, much more fun because usually it's Liz to his, to his side and she or, or Samara, and they're like, oh, whatever, right? You know, you're good. Uh, and this was, was Aram that was basically climbing into, the, into the, the, the seat of the car. And Liz in the back is like, yeah, well, whatever, over there, turn. It was great. I loved that. Oh, it was utterly fantastic and I, I'm so proud of Russ to be able to tune a ROM out because I would have been like shut up let me drive <laughs> I think yeah, he's probably got imagine if when he was with Audrey he was driving like that he probably got enough of that <laughs> <laughs> uh, the real reason they split wrestlers driving <laughs> <laughs> well one of the most interesting things that we had in this episode with Wrestler to me was that we got a beautiful parallel between him and Agent Calhoun. Is that what you pronounce it? Calhoun? The woman. I don't actually remember her name. I know who you're talking about, but... I think it's Callum. Callum? Callum, yeah. Something like that. It, 
Yeah, she. I think she was going by Cal Colby or something like that, and then that was not her real name. Her real name is Calum. And I thought it was beautiful parallel because they've been chasing this this shadow, this ghost for six years. It become their entire life. She left to have a family. She's recruited uh, into this now very confusing. Um, covered under covered uh, operation and meanwhile she doesn't realize that the devil she's being hunting is the devil that she works with which is funny and, because that that phrasing that he used there my brain went to liz with the statement that she made at the end of season uh season four where she said you know the devil's my father and because it's very specific phrasing there and so i guess that's probably drawing a couple of different parallels between is what you just said, wrestler and her, and then also the wording with Liz. And so it all comes back to red. Yeah, but but also because at the end, you always have to ask yourself, was really Cox doing something wrong or was he really looking for patriotic interest? I mean, just because um, um, this guy didn't think it was, didn't mean that that was not what his higher-ups thought he should be doing. He should be bombing this, or there were diplomatic resolutions to a conflict without affecting relationships. And so you're getting into this very gray area. Well, we've talked about it before when we were talking about, you know, Scotty and, and Halcyon and all of that, in which, you know, your, your selective morality, in which, you know, what what is it that gives them permission to do this? Is it the badge? Is it the okay by the government? Is it doing the quote-unquote morally right thing who gets to decide who the, what the morally right thing is you know we've discussed that with tom with with halcyon with you know doing bad things for good reasons and that's just looking at that theme all over again you know who gets to decide who gets to pull this trigger and decide what's right and what's wrong and how far we're able to go and where do we go in the end to get our reputations back was it Cox the one that was wrong, or was it, or was it, um, uh, is, what is the name? I keep forgetting his name. Oz something. Osterman was Osterman. His, his real name. Um, so because you can't really determine, Osterman at one point said, that's enough, this is your agenda, but where do you, where, as you said, where do you start the right from the wrong? And Once you're not in the law, everything is. And they're in the covert unit. They're in the clandestine service. Exactly. And I'm not sure the show was actually giving us a definite answer on that. It's more presenting the question of who gets to make think, this call. I don't think you have, you can have an answer. I mean, when, when you're playing with an enemy that doesn't play by the rules, you can't play by the rules because then you're being an idiot. You're always, that's like you're Playing with one leg and the other guy has two legs and five guns. It's bringing a knife to the gunfight. Mm -hmm. A toy knife. <laughs> yeah. So, so knife. I, I, I love that about Wrestler that, that there he is looking at another mirror in which he sees an agent doing this. And I think that at the end, especially if all these theories, including mine, that Red is a conducting an undercover mission come to friction, then Ressa would be saying, well, you know what? I was defending what I thought was right. And it turned out that what was right was, was red. I think that that's where we're going. I think we're going to a point where you start doubting if 
the, what you thought was good is is bad and what you thought was bad was good well we've already seen that so many times especially with wrestler because we had the whole bit with hitchin and mm -hmm. him trusting her back in season three and it nearly got liz killed i mean and so I, it's it's a pretty fair assumption that when it nearly gets your leading lady killed it's probably on the bad side <laughs> you know for the most part in this show that's one of the few few things mm -hmm. you know but it was interesting to see that that character development that we've seen in wrestler this time he's he's not so naive anymore he's not the boy scout anymore saying you know this is right this is wrong he's seen what it is i mean he saw bobby Jonica that also took a turn for the worse when he was hunting reddington and became the enemy that he was chasing so I think that this is all shaping up beautiful because now you're getting, remember that I always been saying they're laying a, a bunch of dangling ends and they're leaving them around. And at one point they start picking them up and they make this beautiful bouquet of, 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 of dangling ends that now are a cohesive whole and is going to change everything that you think about the show entirely. They're, they're really good about picking them up just seasons later. And so, in bringing them back around. So I, I like that very much. We saw a very different wrestler this time than we that we were used to seeing. If we compare wrestler in this episode with wrestler in, let's say, the last time they were around in uh, uh, running around in um, in Poland in Warsaw with the Monarch Douglas back. Yeah, that was a very different wrestler. Um, you know, he was addicted. He was, um, you know, not not really getting things. Now this is seasoned. He's he's wiser. He is grayer. He can understand a lot more things that that he did before. So that's what I got on wrestler. What about Cooper? Oh boy, I love Cooper, and I I think that that Cooper is actually looking at a mirror in Cox. Um, and, and asking himself how, how far he's going. Because, I mean, remember, we've seen a lot of times that Cooper is an, uh, uh, an ambitious man. Even, you know, such, don't, don't, that morality when you're like, uh, don't let the, your morality uh, take down your, your uh, upward climbing. He's, he's, and then suddenly he's now confronted with his FBI director, whatever is going on. He's been playing cards with, with Panabaker. Uh, he's he's going up and he's the head of the unit that has more arrests than all other units combined so cooper is in a he's climbing high and he's on a on a on a high tight line that he can fall off anytime or he can keep, keep climbing and i think he's in a very delicate position right now i think that's one reason he's locking down like he is and trying to go with things with that that you know uh, i don't want to say a more moral sense but he's he's getting more ruffled on people that are willing to bend the bindings these days and yeah so we, the reaction which is a little self-serving well i mean he's trying to salvage what they have i think overall he is trying to make sure trying to protect his team protect where they're at what they're doing and, and he and to do that, that's the headspace he's gotten into. 
And I, I think there may be a couple of things going on that we will hear in the future. But I'm liking this this Cooper. I, I didn't necessarily agree when, you know, she was saying that Cox was, you know, the one doing the wrong thing. I don't have enough information to know whether Cox was doing the right thing, whether um, whether uh, Osterman was doing the right thing. I don't know. I mean, I don't know when when you're again depending on who your enemy is and how dirty they play. You can't play cleaner than your enemy. So it all depends who's your enemy. And as we go into the parallels in this episode, because to me this episode was a parallel fest. Oh, it was. So, should we move into Samara and Aram? Interesting stuff. I like where they're going with them because they, they had a choice to, you know, be all dobby dobby that was going to be boring. Or at least give us a little bit of, of of excitement. And I think they did. I don't think the super lovey-dovey thing would really jive with Samar. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure she can be very affectionate and, you know, she's obviously very loyal. But I I don't think, you know, just this, if it was all fluff all the time, it wouldn't make sense for her. It would tone her down way too much and we'd lose what we love about Samar. And so I loved the idea. Slightly injured. Well, that, that was too. a great line. That was good too. Uh, and then, are you sure you're okay? Yes. <laughs> fine um but i loved that one aram went out into the field aram never goes out into the field he's out in the field because he's worried about her that's cute little overbearing but cute Uh, and but aram has always been that way with with samar really i mean he's the one that as the bomb is ticking down he's telling wrestler he needs to apologize for quote-unquote calling her the b-word as a mm-hmm. bomb's about to go off in their face. <laughs> so he's always been a little bit extreme when it comes to Samar. And the fact that he had that full-fledged panic when she's being taken, gets into the driver's seat, and that look, and goes, I don't know how to drive. <laughs> I just, I want to hug Amir. <laughs> I just, I want to hug him. He's so brilliant with that. I, 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 I really was wondering last, you know, last year if once he he took the rocket, whatever that thing was, to the architect and basically blew him to smithereens. Um, I was wondering if they were going to take him into okay, this is going to be um, Aram is going to decide that he's going to go back into the office and never leaving it again. Or would he actually go in the field and then eventually be a field agent? Yeah, he's, you've definitely seen the progression that he's had since season one where he was in therapy after killing the, the terrorist. And, you know, the, ther- the the progression up through now in which he's going, I want to be field ready. Basically, this happened. I don't want to go hide in my hole. I want to make sure that never happens again. So, I, know, I need to know what to do. I, you know, from a shipper's point of view, I, I've said multiple times that in Keen Squared, one, one of the many things that I like about them is that they can keep up with each other. That you don't have one one of the couple that's just, you know, stay at home and, oh, something's happening. What's happening? I'm going to get kidnapped every other episode. And it, it's they, they can keep up with each other. They are aware of what's, you know, they, they both understand the life that they're living. And I feel like... 
Aram is moving towards that. While they both understand where they're at, obviously, because they both work for the same task force, Aram has always been... He's not field-ready. And that that's just a step that I, I do like that they're taking. They're toughening him up rather than trying to... I don't want to say soften Samar, because that, that doesn't give the right... But tone her down, I guess, is the best way. I, I, I really like the direction. Girly her. Yeah, and it's don't change my girl. I like her that way. <laughs> I think it was is an excellent choice they made with Aram, and it's going to get him a lot farther. Especially because consider that the, in the task force that they are, not even being in the office means that they're not going to have somebody putting a gun to their heads. I was going to say people break into that ta- into the post office. It's happened. They mm-hmm. they should have gotten him field ready the moment that happened, but they didn't. And. I think that he needed to get to a point where he understood. Uh, I mean, Aram was very much not in a black and white like wrestler, not in the in the right thing and the wrong thing and the book and the not by the book. Because Aram has always been like, I do this because it's the right thing, and you know, I find my way to to cover my behind, but it doesn't mean that I'm not going to do whatever I think is right to do. But he was always in the safer thing and. Peril was something that he did not understood on a physical sense. Well, it's like the talk that they had. I think it was last season. Um, where I'm they're not talk- like you. Well, well, they're talking about the fact that she's out in the field getting shot at, and he's behind the computer. Yes, he gets them out alive. He does a lot for them, but he doesn't typically have a gun to his head. Yeah. So I I like that that development, and I find that it's very interesting that they're going that way, and I'm telling you why because there is another parallel in there, of an agent. We getting um, agent Callum Callum says that she wants she left to start a family it didn't go very well. So I'm thinking maybe the person she was with, and I'm remembering Emma saying that she lost her relationship, and Mira ended up there was no no father. So I guess that whatever relationship she had, we we don't know if there was a father or not. We know she well, had it was her never kids. mentioned. Yeah, yeah there, there was she had a picture of the two kids. She never had a picture of anybody else. So we don't know. You know, she had a partner, but whatever it is, it wasn't there, and nobody says, "Oh my God, the poor guy." Nobody mentions a guy or a, or a gal that that was you know Mira's partner or spouse so I, I'm thinking that's another one and now you get a agent Callum and we had wrestler that lost Audrey because of the, the the focus on the job so we're creating a lot of parallels in which if Aram doesn't take this route he's going to be left behind because in this to to survive in this world you need to be a badass able a to smart, keep smart badass able to keep up yes exactly i 100 percent agree with you on that and i love that they're going that direction and i think that's what's going to make them work exactly and and it's one of the reasons why why tom and liz have been able to work it out because tom can survive in that world when you are in red's world you can't be a you you, you gotta be a tough you you can't be the damsel in distress there yeah. cannot be any damsels in distress here in this relationship. You, you know, gotta if... keep your head. You gotta keep. You gotta be smart. You gotta be tough, and you gotta be ready for violence when violence is called for. It, yeah, if you get kidnapped, you better be able to fight your way out because while someone may come to rescue you, you better be getting out on your own <laughs> because that's just the way it works in this world. Mm-hmm. Well, do you want to move into red and then do the Keens last? 
Um, yes, let's move into red. Oh, I think we have to talk uh, about, before talking about red, we got to talk about Hawkins. Because she was amazing in this episode. I just, that look, the second time she said, if you were just a little more attractive, I would birth you a litter right here. And he just looks <laughs> over at her, like, with that, because he's busy laughing at it, but kind of gives her the side eye of, did you really just say that? And I, she makes mm-hmm. poor Dimbae so uncomfortable in that last scene. <laughs> poor sweetie. <laughs> he's just yeah, like, he's like uh... I'm going to be filing for sexual harassment here. <laughs> I just, she's so funny. I love her. And the allergies and, and just like, oh my God, look at this. And then she comes like next week. This is for, for four days. And Dom's like twice as much. Oh, she's brilliant. I love her to death. And her reaction to Liz and just everything. She's yeah, just fantastic. <laughs> it makes Red do all these exasperated looks that are just delightful. Because Spader just nails them. It's oh, like, yeah. I, um. Every time they're great, so the, that that compound of them, Dembe, um, uh, and her, oh my god, it was so much fun. And then we got we got a dog. And do you realize that this is actually the sixth dog that we've had in the series? I got a list here, and I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Keeping a list of the dogs. <laughs> well, just because. I mean, think about it. We're we're getting we're every 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 season we've had. First, it was Hudson, who's a shapeshifter, <laughs> and uh, now apparently must be in an uh, undercover assignment uh, somewhere in there. Spy um, baby, spy dogs, spy parents. Yeah. It works out. I'm sure that he found you know his his an assignment undercover somewhere. Um, He's infiltrating Saint Regis right now as we speak. Or, or in a farm, making believe that he's a sheepdog and, you know, gathering intelligence on the owner, something like that. I'm but sure he's there's... not dead. <laughs> the fandom no. refuses to believe Hudson is dead. No, he's just, he's shape-shifting. He's just, he's a spy dog. So, in uh, we had that. We had um, uh, the dog, the Tujik, the Russian ambassador's dog. We had um, the dog... Um, um. Oh, well, hold on. Give me that. Okay, there you go. We got uh, the dog taken from Frank Highland that became Carla's and Frank's dog. Uh, we have the dog whose picture's in the cabin when Carla is is taken after she's rescued. There's a that picture with a dog with a bandana. I imagine is the one she mentioned that her her Jennifer had a, a dog in a house. So I imagine that's the dog. So there is a, a whole thing of dogs. Well, and that have a... um, um, Sam had that dog. Oh, that is right. Oh, I, I don't remember the dog's name, but it was Sam had a dog when he first got Liz. Indeed. So that is seven dogs that we've had with Coco. And amazing. And did how you get he... did you get the little ones uh, with Glenn? Oh no. We've had a lot of dogs. Yeah. It's important to start like taking notice of those things. Um so we have, we've had so many of, of so many dogs and it's funny because we're <laughs> we have cats too. We have uh the cat in the flat. Um and we have dog we have cats in the Good Samaritan. No, the um, 
the deer hunter. She had three cats. And in that song that was playing in season three, you know, two cats in the yard. And so I think it's cat or Katerina cat. I don't know. But there is something about cats and dogs. We're getting we're getting some imagery there between cats and dogs, lots of dogs, some cats. And at the same time, we're getting imagery with fire and water. And if you think about red, red seems to be associated with water. And he almost died by fire. What well, Katerina seems to be have a fiery temperament and she almost died by or she died by water. So it's an interesting thing that we're getting on of elements and cats and dogs in a way are like fire and water. Jenny speechless. <laughs> I have nothing to add to that. So I'm sure it's not about my brilliance. She's probably thinking, okay, she lost it. Silenced by the brilliance. Um, so something I found really interesting about Red this episode was just watching him with the the doggy, it wasn't a doggy daycare, but the, the spa, doggy spa hmm? bit. He's... It goes back to the whole thing, once again, that they did with, with the spinoff, doing bad things for good reasons. He does good things for bad reasons and bad things for good reasons. It's also, he is just such a deep, deep, great character with such complex motives to everything. Because if you're looking at, he runs his organization to keep Liz safe, and now to keep her task force running. Like, that's the only reason he's doing it is for Liz, because we saw how he reacted in Cape May when he thought Liz was dead. He didn't care. He was throwing everything away. And so his entire reason for this criminal empire is Elizabeth Keene. And so that's a good thing, supposedly. And you've got the, the doggy spa, which is, you know, tax deductible, and they're trying to, you know, help animals in shelters, which most people would assume is a good thing. And yet he's running his money laundering through it now. And so he goes, it's just really interesting to see all of those layers of, of what he does intertwine with good and bad and everything in between. And it's just red. I know it's what I love about about red. That's what my, is my favorite character. Probably getting to be the favorite character all around of, of everything that I've read and watched in my life. And because of that, because it's, um, it, he's flawed, but at the same time, he's fun. And when he does something bad, he always tries to balance by something good. Like, you know, those, there's going to be more cats, and I bet they're going to even do more shelters and more adoptions. And look at Coco. He got the, the evidence, and Coco now has lifetime of, of grooming in there free and i love that raymond reddington is one of the few people that can like drop a th and he's done this before where he's basically threatening the dog to get someone to do something i mean you know he's not going to actually hurt the dog but the owner doesn't know that and so he's threatening the dog and yet goes and does something nice for it <laughs> it's just well, he doesn't even need to threaten the dog any oh, anymore oh that that was a threat hanging over the guy oh yeah but it it was meant to be Elicit to be interpreted as a threat without actually being a threat. So I'm like, Kushik, like we're just having here some fun, and I'm talking about things with free, uh, free, um, free, free stone. And it's just I'm not gonna hurt the dog. I'm not a, I'm not a monster. So I, I love those things about Red. 
Um, it, it's also this 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 episode to me was very interesting to see a different a very different red, in the sense that he was he was looking for his own thing of finding a play a way to launder the money a business to start laundering the money, but the second thing is that he seems genuinely upset that Nick is dead. Yes, I do think he was. I mean, because like he made the comment to Liz, Nick saved his life. He brought Agnes into the world. I mean, he owed, and he told Dembe uh, back in season four, he said, you're not required to stay here. People think that, that I make them stay. They stay because I make them money. If they want to leave, they can leave. I think he genuinely was going, okay, Nick, you know, best of luck to you. And was releasing Nick out into the world. And so, you know, I mean, that's, he, he, I think that when he realized that something he did might have caused Nick to be killed, he felt like it was his responsibility to, to follow it up. I don't think that was, he would have argued that for a second. It's yeah. loyalty. It, it- and he was very, very calm with Liz, and I and Liz was like, "I, I want to believe you." Um, I think he what? understood why that was her go-to, and but I do like the fact that she pulled back from that almost immediately. Like after seeing his reaction, she realized that he was he did not put that hit out on on Nick. Like, and I get why that was her her immediate go-to, but after she and we've talked about before that sometimes Liz just needs a little time to process. She gets very angry at first. She's very emotional, snaps at somebody. She did this with Tom when, when Tom went um, went to his buddy to, to try to follow the feed back in season four when Agnes was missing, where she just bit his head off for doing it. And then the next morning was just like, I, I don't agree with it, but I can't blame you for trying to save our child. It, she takes time to process things. And then once she does, she's much more... Then you see that forgiving nature and that moving forward nature and understanding. And I think that that the other thing that was to me interesting to see with with Liz in and Red was that what you were mentioning before about how you go back to season one. You want to take that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I felt like he was... The conversations they had in this episode reminded me very much of season one. Like where they were Kevlar talking, and Cyclone? Yes, where they were talking about in season one where he's walking her through and saying, you're thinking like a cop, try thinking like a criminal, do it this, you know. And in this episode, he, he stopped her and said, no, no, think about it this way. and just and Think started, about what you know. Yeah, and started walking her through it, not telling her the answers, but kind of directing her in the direction she needed to go and gave her the gentle shove and so he's teaching her we've talked about it multiple times that red is preparing her for what's ahead he is training her he is making sure that when push comes to shove she's going to be able to come out on top and she's going to be able to come out alive and it's I, i love to see those teaching moments and he's very good at it and but it it's very season one in their early relationship and yet you've got everything they've been through in between as well it's like we were talking about early in the podcast you see the parallels and yet you also see the character growth with it as well yeah there i i i find that this episode 
was to me one of the most eye openers. It, it, it had so much canon in it, all in the form of parallels. And you have to you have to find like in each thing you have to find like the element of that parallel that is that is the canon, versus the fluff that makes you look into other directions, uh, or that misdirection that gets you like. Whew. No, blacklist wouldn't use red herrings, would they? No, it it's a so. big red herring. They don't <laughs> use it. They are a big red herring. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> they have a lot of fish <laughs> in that it's, show. It's like if it's obvious, it's probably not the answer. That's that was always my joke. Um, they, they've gone through several people running the Twitter feed, but I, I used to have a joke with with the Twitter feed for a select amount of time. I said, you know, if it looks like this is what they want you to think, it's the it's probably going to be the direct opposite. And I've made some really really close calls to canon before with that <laughs> attitude mm-hmm. towards the Twitter group. <laughs> If the marketing team wants us to think this, it is the opposite. So-and-so's going to die, so-and-so's going to break up, is going to be the direct opposite. And a lot of times that's the way, because they like their misdirects. And the casual viewer is going to go with it, because they're not picking it apart and putting it back together all the time. Exactly. Now, Red had two great lines. Bring the dog, leave the poop. (laughs) That is a direct note note to... um, the Godfather. Is it? I haven't seen those movies leave, in so bring long. Bring the cano- uh, bring the cannolis. Leave the leave the guns. Bring the cannolis. <laughs> I haven't so seen that in so long. Yeah, well, that that's a classic, and I love when they do nuts. Um, and in fact, I, I was I was going over. Uh, I watched Mr. and Mrs. Smith uh, not that long ago, and I picked up something that I had no. I, it just completely slipped my mind when I saw Remember Red mentioning about having a, a marital therapist? Yes. <laughs> well, that's how Mr. and Mrs. Smith started. You know, they're going to the marital therapist and they're talking about all that. So it was fun. It was fun to see those nods. Uh, there's a show that I don't think it's on anymore, but it's called Covert Affairs. It was about um, th- they were a, uh, you know, a group out of out of the CIA and a couple of the lead characters were married. They they ran, they were, you know, at certain levels, you know, and worked with each other, but they were married and they were constantly in therapy. And so, like, their therapist had to have such and such clearance and, like, every, it was brilliant. And I'm just like, that would have been red in therapy. <laughs> right there. That would have been red in therapy. I believe my theory is correct. <laughs> they were, that brings it to a whole new thing. And then... He tells us something very interesting when, when he's talking to Hawkins. Look closer, what do you see? And it's always important in the blacklist to look closer because what you first see is rarely what it is. It's those misdirects. Mm-hmm. Always the misdirects. Uh, one thing that was interesting in all this, and, and this is now going into theory, is Brent seems stunned that the suitcase would get Nick killed. So that may mean two things. I may have been completely wrong in my theory that the that the suitcase was intended to get Liz and Red in a in a misdirect in a in a uh, conflict that would get people killed, or that may be because Red has no idea that Denison was supposed to tell somebody else that the suitcase was in play. I I didn't 
particularly pick up on that. Um, I just thought he was surprised that Nick had it. I mean, and then was following that thread. No, that is a line. Yeah, he said, uh, but why would it get him killed? Oh, okay. I just missed that one then. Yeah. It's a, it's a very small line, but it's a very significant line because that means he's either do not know that there is somebody else that been had been appraised of the situation that the suitcase is in play or that it's not the bones or it's so insane. So now we have to go into, in order to keep talking about, about Liz and, and Tom, we do have to talk about uh, Pete, but let's start with Liz or you want to start with, with Tom? Um, well, Let's go ahead and go into Liz, um, because it, it kind of all flows in together. Mm-hmm. I one thing a bit bit separate, um, and we've touched on it briefly already, was the parallel being drawn between the CIA agent and Liz, and the conversation that Liz had with Emma. I mean, it was so close to identical that you know had a family, was starting a family, lost the family for the job. You know, lost the family because, you know, for Emma, it was the job with Reddington. For this lady, it was the job with what she thought was the CIA. You know, they were all chasing this grandiose, you know, fantasy here that that was big and it was bold and it was enticing. And they lost what, what truly mattered and didn't gain anything for it. I mean, like they, they there was a lot of regret in there. Yeah, and I and I find interesting that in this episode we're getting Mira, because that is another one. Mira was retired, and Diane Fowler got her out of retirement in order to to be in this task force. So now you have another case of somebody that is going and and not having um a. a and not being able to balance those two things. And in order to survive that, because even if you're able to 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 have a balance, you still need to have a partner that can take that, that yeah. can survive in that world. Well, that's what we've said about Tom again and again and again, is that if if he had been what he was pretending to be in season one, he would have been dead or gone by this point. He would have been killed by somebody or he would have finally just gone if you're not willing to get out of this life i can't do this anymore and left they would have been divorced and he he would have run for the hills and but i mean it it takes someone like tom to be able to keep up with liz and be able to to both want some semblance of normalcy and yet also be able to, when someone breaks into their house, know where the gun's hidden and be able to take the shot. I also think that that, that normal thing that there was, you know, we were seeing that last episode, the deviant normal. I, I think that, that in a way, that that was that was a fantasy they both had for a little bit. I don't think that they're going to end up there. I think their their normal is not going to be what people think and, of and normal. And that's that's the thing is that I've been saying for for a few seasons now, I guess for like two or three seasons now, that it's it's their version of normal that they're looking for, not the white picket fence, not the you know. 
Maybe but, electrify picket fence. Yeah, well, you know, that would be okay. The, another thing that was interesting to me in here is that we are picking a lot of parallels with season one and two in terms of relationship between between Liz and Tom. And I'm seeing this not from a shipper's perspective, because uh, I'm not one. I'm just seeing it from where we were and where we've gone through to this point. And I think at this point, that normal that they're talking about, not their normal, it's also Tom was like, you know, uh, you like normal. And I think they're going to terms with the fact that normal may not be what normal is for other people. Yeah. And sure, they may go and eat burgers, but it's not going to be always that. And Tom is going to eventually find something to do that is going to be either running Alcyon or or running um, or working with Red or even being with a task force, you know, as a as an asset. Yeah, I've always wanted to see that. Like, it, it hasn't happened. They're, they don't look like they're moving that direction, but that's always been kind of on my wish list is to see him doing that. He has worked as an asset with them before, but I would love to see him regularly do that. Uh, so something about Liz that I am pretty convinced of. I think she knows that Tom is hiding something right now. I am say like 97% sure. Okay. And so my, my go-to on this is the, the conversation at the, uh, at the funeral. They're sitting there and they're talking and there's this inflection in both of their voices. There was a tone that Tom used to use in season one when he was fishing for, for information. He just, he kind of pauses his, his uh, voice pitches up a little. It's this, I'm innocent. There's no no reason for me to be asking this. I am genuinely concerned. Why don't you tell me everything, babe? And it's just it's a tone that Ryan gets for it, and it's it's hilarious because I'm sitting there going, "You want to broadcast it a little louder, honey?" You know. <laughs> but Liz also has a tone when she's playing him in return, and that is what was happening right there at the funeral. I think that she was trying to convey very subtly and give him an opening to fess up to whatever it is. I mean, there's no way she knows what it is. I think she just knows because she knows her husband. She knows he's hiding she something. She knows her father. Yeah. She knows he's hiding something. She's been, we saw the look when Tom invited Red to dinner. She sent them out together. I mean, we've seen all these little things and I think that she's just convinced something is going on, which she would be right, obviously. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm giving you this moment to fess up on your own without me nagging, without me asking. I need, because I mean, we've said about Liz so many times, Liz needs honesty. That is what she needs from people. She she told Tom in season two, she's like, if you can't be honest with me, this is done. We're not doing this. I'm not even going to be around you. Walk off. Well, and I, and, and I, 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 yeah. Well, it, just the. I think that's what she was giving him that, and when he didn't, I think she was just really hurt by it. No, I don't think this is going to be the end of the Keens. I think that they have done, they, they've been through too much for, for one thing. I think that eventually she's going to be pissed, but I think she will eventually come to terms with what's going on. I think the fact that he's going to be in a whole lot of trouble may, you know make her a little more forgiving. So we saw that happen in season three, where she was 
she was not happy with him what he did but she was more worried about losing him it, it put things in perspective when you are looking at losing someone it puts anger in perspective no matter how angry you are at somebody well and also because at, at this point the, the two men in her life are doing exactly the same not neither one is lying to her i mean a lie is an actual tell of untruth they're exactly doing the same. They're omitting about the suitcase. Delayed it's, honesty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're not. If she had asked them and they have told a lie, that's a whole different thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but even Tom was trying to tell her, like, I don't think it's Reddington oh, that he, got him killed. He defended Red. Yeah, he's like, I don't think. That, yeah, I mean, he could have pinned it on Red. He, You know, the only thing. Exactly what you just said. <laughs> Sorry, the words are not coming. But, but there is there is another thing that is even more interesting to me in, in that whole thing is that th this is the second time, the second time that we're picking up exactly the same thing. List knowing something and not saying anything. Mm -hmm. Suspecting something and not saying anything. Well, I think part of that, like I said, is her wanting the person to come to her with the truth. I think that she does want that. And... Kind of like what Tom's doing right now with the suitcase, she probably is going to start investigating what's going on and getting answers. And that's what she did in season one, was that, you know, she she pushed for answers. She, yeah. She's done the that with Reddington, too. The funny thing is that the one person that offered to tell her everything, that was Mr. Kaplan, said, you know, stay in the car and I'll show you the truth. And she decided to get off the car and choose Reddington instead of, of the truth. So there is something about her that... She will get the truth when she's ready for the truth. Mm -hmm. And until then, she will just ignore everything. And I um, think that's one reason that Tom has not told her that he has this suitcase or doesn't have the suitcase now. But he, he very clearly, in his whole monologue to Agnes, I loved that. That was so precious. So I'm there going, Who's he? I thought maybe Howard was going to be on a, a video chat or something. I was like, oh, sweet. Maybe we're about to get Howard. I'm I'm sitting there listening to him like he's talking funny. The way he's delivering this monologue is really odd to be talking to. It's because he was talking to a baby, and so he had that that inflection in his voice like you get when you're talking to a little kid. But he's talking about Nick being murdered and how he was going to go about this. And hey, and now you know idea. why why Liz is so bizarre. Probably she got the same monologues. So did Tom. <laughs> he just doesn't remember them. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine Scotty having that conversation with baby Christopher? I mean, exactly. Howard? I mean, um, totally happened. Can can we now go into the fascinating Pete, maybe, name Pete? Pete, maybe, oh, Pete? whatever his name is? Oh, I know. Did you? Uh, I would just like to uh, comment on the very interesting scene of him buzzing his hair. <laughs> with, in, a, in, a, in an undershirt. Very Tom was black, his was white. Yeah, and a, a filthy hotel, too, and mm -hmm. the locks falling on the floor just the same. And did he lose a couple fingers? I 
couldn't quite tell. It moved so fast. I couldn't tell if he lost the fingers or he had a bandage hands. Well, he did have bandages on his hands, but it the the placing like of the blood, possible. it he could have. You you can't tell for certain, but it yeah. looks like he very if well did, could have. If it did, it's it's Leonard Cole, and Leonard Cole was a CIA agent that was approached to get it to by by Fitch to make the cabal part that the, to make the fulcrum parts are four parts, correct? So now you're getting um. Think about the cards. This this woman had a tattoo. It, it, their little details are connecting and bringing force to the mind. So the four cards. She had a tattoo. The tattoo brings brings uh, him. And did you even notice that even the haircut that Pete had before he shaved the locks is exactly the one that Tom was wearing when he shaved for for the German job. The very long hair on the sides. Exactly. I'll have to go back and look at that. I'll have to go back and look at that. I may do a parallel scene for that because I really liked that. I saw it and went, ah, (laughs) look what we have. (laughs) Yeah, and then and then we have like this and this and even the expression in his face. Like he's preparing for another job. He's done with that job. Now he's going for the second job. He he had left his fiance behind. I I did like the the whole scene with the fiance. I can never remember her name, but where he's sitting there, where Tom's sitting there on the bench. Tell me everything you know about Pete. It was I very reminiscent. Huh? I think her name is Jennifer. So was you're it? getting. I think there was a Jennifer in the show. I don't I don't remember what her name was. Um, but I just I found it very interesting that you know the tell me everything you know about Pete. You know, it's, it's just all these little things that you're not 100% sure why they went that direction, but I think it's all going to come together by yeah. the winter finale. You're going to see a lot of things come together. Well, I think that what Fall now finale. is obvious is that I when I went back and looked at all the scenes that I said had zero anything. Remember when Nick is introducing uh, Liz, uh, introducing Tom and Pete? Yes. Oh, when now, they were talking over each other, and yeah, when he they said, were talking shut up, both of you. Other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was very remember- similar the way they were they were going at each other, and I think we made a comment at the time. And remember the the conversation that Liz has with a guy in the harem that gives her the entry and said we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna uh, rehearse this until we're convinced it's true. So, and you know that when 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 Nick calls from the car. And says, well, you know, I've been thinking about what you said. And I think, um, you know, if Liz is in trouble, I don't think Nick, Nick got involved. I was wrong in assuming that is because he can't say no. I think he could say no very well. But somebody was in that car and somebody made him go back and get this done. And then he was killed, not because he was at the wrong time at the wrong place. He was killed because he was a loose end. I don't think I do he has think anything. He was killed because he was a loose end, yes. It was a loose end, but yeah. I don't know if there was anybody in the back of the car. Maybe. The the shot would blend to it, I, best I remember, but but I don't but know for sure. When Pete, the, the girlfriend said something interesting, that Pete has been missing for 10 days. So basically, since he got that suitcase, he disappeared from, from sight. So he was there positioned only to have a place to run these things, to have a cover. That job was a cover. In fact, his ID was done about in October. So he he got that ID. He got into that relationship just to have a cover, um, or probably got into that relationship. Then that relationship got into the cover, um, 
And then as soon as he gets the suitcase, he's he's done with the job, he leaves. So, and, and something very interesting happened in that conversation. We had Tom, what he first says about Tom, I, you're a cop. So this, to me, by now, I'm starting to see all these little things. Remember in the first episode, Tom is the one that flashes the badge. Now we're getting in this episode. Jen is like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, this is not my theory. This is this is not my theory. This is all Tessa right here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I tell you what. I think that and and I can and I can I can give you a proof that Tom is working undercover for the CIA for for intelligence for some someone in the government. I tell you what his mission is. I think his mission is to protect Reddington. I, I know that it's going to sound crazy. You're going to say, oh, you're crazy. Yeah, I know. She's like, <laughs> you have to see her face. I wish you I've, could, guys. I've got a face that Tessa knows by this point. It's the eh, hey, face. I don't believe that. <laughs> well, I, I, I can give you, it's very clear. When when we can, you know, the other thing, and the funny thing is here, because that's not enough to give us those those that little detail. In case we need a hammer, um, you know, that was a hammer. Now they're giving us the mallet. The mallet is that they're bringing back Mira. Out of all characters, they're bringing up Mira. People, the the confusion, the 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 smoke and mirrors is. Oh, Tom caused Mira's death, and now he caused Nick's death. But I think that Tom didn't cause Nick's death. Nick was killed because it was a a, a loose end from from Peter, whoever got him to to go and and tell. Tom that he could help him in order to get that suitcase out of Tom's hands and secondly then you get Mira now and Mira when Fitch tells Red that the task force is a target there's only two people that know that Berlin fake Berlin Kinski and Tom nobody has known the name of fake Berlin nobody has any idea what he's doing he has just asked for the list tom gives him the list and the next thing you know is fitch is telling tom red that the task force is a target and the first thing he takes it so seriously that the first thing he does even before cleaning the blood on his face is to call Liz and tell her to pull everybody back and there is only one person other than fake berlin that knew that at that time tom so Tom had to have told Fitch that that was the case. That was his attempt to save the task force. I don't know. I mean, I Just I've never. I yeah, I, I will. And you know me. If it comes out, I I will be the first person to give you your pat on the back. <laughs> so that that is that is my 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 thing. But there is like this this two is like are, are you a, a fake name? And the other one is like, why well, you did you even go to medical school? And uh, we don't need to do that. And I don't even know you. And it just to me now the look you look back with that mirror is like, oh yeah, this is two undercover agents again. They bring back Mira. And what was Mira? Mira spent her entire working life as a clandestine undercover agent. She was actually serving under Peter. She was a a, a train interrogator and a clandestine uh, CIA agent. So you have again two uh, two undercover agents interrogating each other, and they don't even know that the other one is one. <laughs> 
So it's it's a very interesting way the parallels have done. I'm I'm like in awe of this episode. Oh, I think it was brilliant. I I'm very much a fan of this one. So the the only other thing that I have really on my list of of things to go over uh, would be the fact that that Tom um, that he was actually willing to have that stuff pumped into his veins to get the answers he needed. I'm sitting there watching this going, why are you not folding up that cord? Why are you allowing that into you? Because <laughs> obviously he did. It's not that he, you know, stopped the I couldn't the even IP. walk. Yeah. I mean, he was stumbling and having a lot of trouble getting getting to where he needed to go. Um, and so the only thing that I can think of, the reason why he wouldn't do that, was that maybe an alarm was going to go off or something like that. You know, it, it might have, you know, since it was a, a test subject, maybe it would have set an alarm off if suddenly you know the the medication wasn't flowing correctly but i'm just like dude come on <laughs> what kind of repercussions are you about to have on that <laughs> the, the i have a, a lot more more you know not only that but he's able to focus he can't even walk and he's able to focus to find that little uh, heart on the on the on the reflection of the glasses and then there is this um it's, it's very good. interesting because tom had been uh, red had been playing solitaire there was another red had been playing solitaire you have the cards now you're getting the cards the, the heart there are three other brothers, so that's four is bringing four again into the into the forefront, four fulcrum parts. But then this is where I still got so many uh, parallels that we haven't even gone into. Uh, should I go into? I'm so excited about them. If you would them. like to, yes. Okay, this is the second flag, false flag operation that we have seen. The first one is a Kirk's bombing that was actually made by America and it was, you know, with, with some uh, Russian involvement. Um, we have a rogue, but look at this one. We have a rogue agent who's really the guy trying to stop something. He used to be a part of it. Does that sound like red? And at the end, it, he's, they, they accuse him of being the bad guy. And they use then the name of this terrorist to commit things that he didn't do. And then, but it's the task, is is a task force that is actually doing this. So is it, remember Red saying, to convince the world that I was a criminal the world already thought I was? Well, we also had that with Jonica and, um, and uh, Michael Tanita. When, when Tanita's brother died... And, and Tanita was put into, into prison, Jonica took over and mm -hmm. ran the business. But so it was the... it was a business, but this is this is even more. This is mm -hmm. you're talking about I don't think that remember they say they blame Red for the Kirk's bombing, then they blame Red for killing um Berlin's uh, daughter. So I'm thinking, I wonder if they when they thought Red was dead, they used Red as the bad guy. Because it was like a, a, a little bit like Surkov. He was like a little bit of a ghost. So they use him to do all these things in the name of somebody who's supposedly dead, except that he wasn't. Be an interesting parallel to draw. Um, 
this is the second time that a, a, a card or a figure in a card like the heart uh, in, is, has proven the key to an episode. Remember the gold crown pharmaceuticals in the longevity initiative? That's how Liz figures out what the guy was trying to tell her. It was a, the gold crown pharmaceutical was the king. That's right. And we've seen red playing cards. Um, so this is, look at this, a secretive organization who's arguably trying to keep things quiet, uses a dead person to conduct their business, and then one of the, the lead tried to stop them. That's, that's red with a cabal. That is right there. I, I'm always thought that red was part of the cabal. He think he thought he was doing something good, and then he wasn't. Oh, I agree with you there. I definitely I think that he was very much involved with the cabal early yeah. on. And we got we got a lot of bombings and like the Kursk one. Sorkov mm -hmm. uh, is described as a ghost, like Red was, like Katerina was. Remember, Katerina is a ghost. Um, we got columns searching for Sorkov for six years. Rest, red wrestler looking for Redford and she even says the same thing just doing my job and wrestler looks at her like mm. <laughs> yeah I was there sister <laughs> that didn't turn out so good gotta put a little bit of thought process into the job honey um remember at Callum talking about the white whale like this is my white whale so you're again getting white whale red doing Nahab. doing Yep, and then you got Solomon, and Solomon retreats, quoting Moby Dick, and Solomon was a CIA asset. So you're starting to even draw things from from redemption in here, and there there's so many. I'm sure that the next time that I watch it, I'm gonna find ten more. I'm I'm liking all of these things. Um, the disavowed. You remember the in Redemption, the disavowed agent that then started. Mm -hmm. uh, kidnapping but he said i didn't do anything they came to kill me and they issue a burn notice for me so i wonder if red was undercover and they issue a burn notice when he was still in the field and told him i'm sorry now you're in your own that would be interesting so that he wasn't really lost those four years he was supposed to be doing undercover the rest of the world was supposing thinking that he was he disappeared. Meanwhile, he was undercover doing something, and then they started doing things in his name, then blaming for all those things, and then disavowed him. I like that. That's interesting. That's what I thought it was. It happened. I, I think I have a few of my very very old posts about it. That thinking that's what that's why he says your country. That's what he cannot be a part because they disavowed him and cut him off in the middle of something. After his, his cover was supposed to be a criminal, he became a criminal, then they disavowed him and left him with all these other things that they did in his name that now he's supposed to be this horrendous criminal that he's not. He has to become one. Everything about him is a lie. And I so like I... I think that also, you know, we're getting this 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 thing with with Mira, with Nick, and they're all reminder us that that what you're seeing with Tom, all that things, the bad things that he has done. I think that if I'm right and Tom is really an undercover, and he may not be able to tell this, because some of this you see it in the CIA. Say so if you're not capable 
of keeping a secret from your spouse, you can't be in a, you cannot be in the in the clandestine service. These people are not allowed to say to tell anybody anybody anything. I still say that trying to connect him to to the CIA does a disservice to his background. I don't think it is CIA. I don't. That's what you've been saying. You've been saying no, no, CIA. no. He has worked for CIA. He has worked as an undercover for CIA, but I don't think his present mission, if if such exists, is CIA. Okay. I think that 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 all of this that we're seeing with Tom and the bad things and Mira and Nick and what a bad guy he is, that is such a clever misdirect. First, he this he wasn't. Nick came to him, back to him and said, yeah, I want to help. So you cannot really say even that Tom got Nick killed. Nick got killed because Nick got involved. When, when Nick said, I can't do this, the last time I, you know, lied to Reddington, it got me, nearly got me killed. Tom went, okay. And he let him go. You know, he's like, I'll find something else. And he just, he let it go. And then Nick came back to him. No, I, Tom is not responsible for Nick's death. People are responsible for the decisions that they make, and Nick did decide to come back. I'm sure Tom feels terrible about it, you know, to an extent, but it's not his fault. It's not like Tom put a gun to his head or hired someone to kill him. And I don't think he's responsible for Mira because, I mean, if you think about it, how can you... Can you find any other explanation than the one I gave you for the fact that Fitch knew before anybody with only Tom and and uh, Kinski? I, I you honestly can't. have not I have not paid a lot of attention to Fitch in a long time, so I would have to go back and do serious research on that. Well to have there is only one way or the other. There's only two people that knew. So there's only one answer to that. Tom let him know. But, I mean, think about it. Fitch could have told Cooper to pull everybody. He didn't. Those seconds is enough. And, like, look at another thing with that whole thing about about the list and Tom, which I think is coming because they're bringing Mira back. And they're bringing Mira back for a reason. Um, at that moment, look at, I know that there was the list and he said to bring the ginger and take care of the other agent. But look at who was actually hurt. Mira was killed. Mira, who was a CIA agent taken out of retirement, supposedly by Diane Fowler, but she, as an undercover, have served under Peter Kotsiopoulos. And she is put in that we didn't know at that time that, that Diane was cabal, but she was put by the cabal in there. And then they tried to make her a patsy. By saying by having her sign the thing so that Red will kill her, and then she had no problem in saying, "No, no, it wasn't me, but I'll get you who it was." And she knew exactly what was gonna what was gonna happen to Diane Fowler. But you know, they set her up. Why would she act like that? Um, so I think that that is that is a, a an interesting thing is that we're. Don't look at Mira as, oh, this is this is for Tom. Mira is also drawing attention to the fact that we're getting undercovers. And everything that you're looking at, nothing is as it seems. 
Mistrex. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, we have mentions of um, Ser Belgrade. Remember, Ranko Samani was from Serbia. Luther Braxton, who had that thing in Belgrade. There's a lot of plaids. Um, um, and I think that that is... Uh, who do you think killed kill, um, Nick? Do you think it was Pete? I don't know yet. Um, because if he is missing fingers, then that means Pete went up against somebody else. I do not know. And Pete, Pete and Nick was strangled, not not yeah. not a garrotting well, I mean, wasn't used. Yeah, I mean it's not like it's not it like you know Yeah, it's not like we saw Nick fighting back and had a knife and cut his fingers off or anything. I mean mm -mm. They, there was no injury to the person doing the killing at the time. Mm -mm. And so that means that Pete went up against somebody. Now it could have been somebody attacked him first to get the uh to get the suitcase i mean i i don't know who killed nick at this point i i think it's there's another party at work here because um i i could see nick i could see pete being the guy who beat up denison but i can't i'm not sure that it, he because if he killed nick why would he leave with a suitcase and leave the body of nick there The body, Nick's body was found in a ditch. It wasn't found but in peace. But the person who killed him just took the suitcase and left. Hmm. The person who killed him didn't move the body. That, that just, doesn't mean that he didn't come back for the body. I mean, he might have gone. No, the it did not. But but it's not. It did. That wasn't the the. It could be. Let me put it that way. So uh, I, I'm I'm so excited uh, about about this episode because now I'm seeing where we're going and it's just so good. Um, this is actually the second confrontation they had with a CIA unit. The first one was in the skeleton case, and the other thing that was very interesting that covert unit that we saw included a member of the FSS and defense intelligence. So this is actually looking a lot like those units that that Cooper was talking about when he was in a joint mission with this and that. And so this seemed to have been a joint mission with the FSS. So I think that's, that's all I have. It's <laughs> I'm 18, waiting to see if there, I'm 18 to see if there parallels. parallels. <laughs> no, it's 18 parallels that I've counted. It's that's probably takes the pie for parallel. <laughs> that's, that's intense. All right. So does that wrap us up? I think so. Okay. What are well, you predicting is going to happen um, in the next episodes? I I don't have a prediction. I'm just kind of along for the ride right now. I'm enjoying them as they come. There have been there's been so much drama in the fandom lately that I'm just I I've stopped following a bunch of blogs. I've taken kind of a step back from a lot of the um, the blogs that release a lot of things that uh that, like the the um preview stuff and so i'm just a lot of it's just trying to enjoy my show mm. take it as it comes yeah i'm i'm super excited i i think i am like like probably the person who's most excited that i've seen with this um and also because I was able to more or less have a very good idea what this the number was going to be, so that might be, mean that I have cracked the numbering of a blacklist. 
which I'm not going to talk about here, uh, but that is um, because that's a whole can of worms that we can open. But yeah, that was that got me very excited. So yeah, that's it. <laughs> that about wraps us up then. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And we love talking with you guys. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next All right. week. All right. Bye-bye.